In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts-Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Is now up here. And a good Monday to you. Yes, we recap a wild, crazy, bizarre, insane, inexplicable. You like that word? Inexplicable. Sports weekend. Expanding the cl- uh, vocabulary. Yeah, that's right. I went to school over the weekend. I did that. Yeah. Got it. One of those 24 hour degrees and big words. You like that? You like that? Huh? Oh, my goodness. All right, we're going to break it all down for you. Today, we're going to recap the craziness at Allegiant Stadium. 62,000 plus. They were in awe. There were a lot of Patriots fans there yesterday in the house, too, at Allegiant Stadium. All right, we're going to talk about the Raiders' comeback victory over the Pats. Wow. Crazy. That's all I got to say. And a wild weekend it was in the sporting world. We will talk to Matt Holt. He will join us today from U.S. Integrity. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. Talk about from the sportsbook side of things as a lot of underdogs covered, but it really was not a good week for the sportsbooks. That's unusual, all right? A couple big swing games, including that Raider victory over the Patriots. So we'll talk to Chuck regarding that. Kevin Martin, no relation, by the way, all right, from News 8. She joins us. She was there yesterday covering for News 8, was on the broadcast locally after the bizarreness happened at Allegiant Stadium. So she will join us uh, as well, too. It'll be good. Um, be the first time we've had Kevin e on the show. And I like Kevin e because, hey, she's a former athlete, former hoopster. She gets it. And uh, I know that we've referenced her when we've uh, talked about B-Sal with Brian Salmon quite a bit, you know. Uh, I'll definitely take Kevin E. Martin over Brian Salmon in a game of horse, maybe even one-on-one, definitely three-point shooting, but you know, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. So busy day today. We will recap all the craziness in the wildness that took place over the weekend. So, um, again, great time. It all started for us, you know, going back to the Westgate on Friday. Busy, busy weekend, busy sports weekend, busy birthday weekend. Shout out to everyone uh, for all the birthday wishes and and all the food that uh, that I got to consume over the weekend. I, I know at some point in time we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, as well. But let me break down the weekend for you, all right? Let me break down. Well, I was going to break down the sports weekend. All right, I'll try to inter intertwine some food with that as well too. But let's break down the sports weekend. Okay, now it started early Saturday morning. All right? So I get up, got a plan on going to the Las Vegas Bowl, right? But first, well, got to see what's happening with the NFL because we have three NFL games on Saturday morning, starting with the Vikings and the Colts. Now, I turn on the TV, 
I said I could maybe hang with this game maybe for a quarter or so before I go to Allegiant Stadium for the Las Vegas Bowl between Oregon State and Florida. 17 nothing before he could blink. Just like that. Colts were leading. Dalvin Cook fumbles as Minnesota's trying to come back. Now, long run, fumbles. Colts recover it, take it in. First quarter, 17 nothing. Halftime, 33 nothing. Gave up on the game. Done. Forget about it. I had a little interest in this game because it was one of my best bets. But luckily, I played it on a teaser and money line. All right, get back to that in a minute. So I go to Las Vegas, Las Vegas Bowl, and I'm just have, have pretty much given up on this game. Uh, meet our good friend, the quarterback, Jay Schrader, one of the quarterbacks, Jay Schrader. Not the quarterback. You can't say the quarterback on this show anymore. I, I know. that's. I, I can say when Steve Berline's on. Yes. It's about the only time I can say Yeah. It. All right. Our, our our dual quarterbacks. See, we've got a dual quarterback system. Some people have dueling banjos. Yeah. We have dueling quarterbacks. Absolutely, we do. All right. So I go to the Las Vegas Bowl, get a chance to to hang out with my uh, newfound Oregon State Beaver Brothers. How does that sound? Oregon State Beaver Brothers. The Beaver Brothers? Is that as good as the Blues Brothers? Yes. You like some beef? I like some beef. I was rooting for the beefs. I had the beefs. One of my best bets, as you know. So, spent the the game in the suite at the 50-yard line with a bunch of former Oregon State Beaver players. It was great. And then Jay Schrader was there as well, too. So, we got a chance to to eat. Didn't take any food picks in, in, in the suite. Didn't do that. But anyway, this game was a rout. I'm loving it. Oregon State, rolling. But anyway, back to the Minnesota game. So now, Jay and I are going back and forth, and he goes, oh, they scored a touchdown. It's 33-7. to Then it becomes 36-7. to Then the Vikings get a touchdown. It's 36-14. to Then I look at my phone, and I see it's 36-21, because we have no visual, because they have the Las Vegas Bowl game on in the suite, which I don't understand because it's right in front of us. We're watching it. Why do I need that on the television in the suite? Because people want to see if they're on the screen. What? You know What did you just say? People, people want to see, see if they're on the screen? People always love when the they're on the The idea TV. of having a television in the suite so you can watch multiple games, so you can watch the other games that you're missing. That's why. We go to T-Mobile and we have the suite over there. I mean, we've got a couple different games on. But this one, it's like, okay. Just like we go to the Raiders for the uh, Raiders games in the press box. Got the red zone on. And you're like riveted. Like, okay, I want to watch the end of all these games. And then once the Raider game gets ready to kick off, boom, they put it all in the Raider game. We're at the Raider game. Got the game in front of us. We don't need that. We need to watch the other games. Anyway, don't get me going with that. But can That's you, a terrible Tuesday. But can you see from the press box? Is see it, what? Is it Like everything. Yeah. I mean, we're way up there. I mean, you can see the city of Las Vegas where we're at. Like that Cole, like, like that Cole play at, at, the, at the Raiders game. The, the Cole catch, catch yeah. that yeah. wasn't, you know. Right. Would you have been able to tell that was a catch if you were in the press box? I was in the press box, but for that play, I was down the field. Okay. So what's your question? Be, meaning like maybe they'd like to see it just up close and see like re- replays. Who's they? Who? 
all the people in the press, all of anybody, whoever's in that suite watching. I said that once the game is on, they don't even give you an option. Oh, you can't switch it or anything. That's my point. Okay. You follow me here? I got you. Okay, we're at Allegiant Stadium, BS, Las, okay. Ve- Las Vegas Bowl. We're stuck to watching the game okay, that's there. I got you. Raiders, you're stuck to watching the game. I got there. you. Okay. Same same wavelength. Yeah. I got you now. Yeah, yeah, it only took a while. Do you don't know what wavelength you're on there, what science you're doing. Anyway, so it's 36-21 in this Viking game. I go, okay, now i got to start paying attention because there was 13 minutes to go. Yep. And we've seen Kirk Cousins blow up. Then we've seen Kirk Cousins actually win some games like this. So I start paying attention. 36-28. Then Indy goes for it on fourth and one. Matt Ryan sneak. They don't get it. Instead of kicking a field goal, they didn't do it. Instead, they get stopped. Next play, Cousins screen pass to Dalvin Cook. 64-yard touchdown. Boom. They were down eight. Get a touchdown. Go for two. Is that the skull? S-K-O-L? They go for two. They get it. 36 all. We're talking there, showing each other the phone, the scores, all this other stuff. Crazy. 36 all now with 228 to go. Now I'm feeling some life. It goes to overtime. Neither team can score in the first possession. Minnesota gets a game-winning field goal with five seconds left in overtime. And I wouldn't mind if it ended that way because on a teaser I would have covered, but my money line, it'd just be a push. But then they kicked the... Game-winning field goal, a 40-yarder by Greg Joseph. Boom, 39-36. Talk about insaneness. A 33-point deficit. The biggest comeback in NFL history. Surpassed the futility of the Houston Oilers. Before you were born, Numchuck, 1992. Houston Oilers. Before I was born. That's true. You you just, you, you look a lot older than you are. I don't know. Okay. So you're 68, whatever. All right, 32-point uh, lead, 1992, 35-3. They came back. Some of us remember that. Losing to Buffalo, 41-38 in overtime. That's right. This was the biggest comeback in NFL history. And it's still early Saturday afternoon. Meanwhile, Oregon State is blasting Florida 30-3. to All right? So I can now get out of there a little bit early. And what Florida do at the end of this game? Did you hear about this? 37 seconds to go. They're getting shut out. They haven't got shut out on whatever it is, 200 games or so. Oh, let's bring on the field goal team so that way we can't say we came to Vegas and got zero. Okay, we got three instead. 30-3. to Congratulations. You still got blown out. Cover for the beef. Got to like that. So meanwhile, now I check over to UNLV, right? Because we got the Rebs and the Dons. So I get into the Thomas and Mac right before halftime. And UNLV's leading by double digits, right? Second half goes. Here comes USF, all right? And you know what I'm getting. Getting text from the big seven-footer because he's upset he can't be there. All right, so UNLV leading the entire game until the final possession of the game. Double-digit lead goes bye-bye. USF goes on 11-0 run in the final three minutes. UNLV does not score in the final three minutes. Game-winning jumper from Roberts, little point guard for USF. Boom. They're down one, hits a three with six seconds to go. 75-73 USF. UNLV has a last-ditch opportunity. Inbound the ball. Dribbles length of the court. 
No one else touches the ball. Long three-pointer, back rim, no good. USF wins. Only time USF led the entire game was in that final possession. They win by two. All right, so that's the craziness that you have on Saturday afternoon. Now it's time to go to dinner, all right? Blue Ribbon, hang out with Johnny, the crew. Got my chicken wings. I saw them pictures. You, you saw them. I saw them. Delicious? Oh, yeah. Of course. So, as you know, I need to have a visual of Buffalo and Miami because I got Buffalo in this game. Money line. Yep. There's another one. Miami is leading 29-21. Nine minutes to go. Buffalo rallies. Josh Allen TD pass to Dylan Knox, the tight end. Got to go for two. Get the two-point conversion after Josh Allen dives over the top. Long, lengthy review. What happens? Snowballs start flying. Buffalo fans happy. 29-29. Then, later, Buffalo wins it on a 25-yard field goal with two seconds to go. They pull it out 32-29. I'm living large, my friend. I'm living large. I'm winning these improbable games. And here we got three in one day already. All right. Then, to cap it off, Boise State's playing North Texas. Same thing, Boise State. Life and death to beat North Texas. They do, 35-32. Caps off a beautiful Saturday. Now we get up bright and early Sunday morning. All right. By the way, went to church. Bright and early Saturday morning. All right. And Argentina. I've got Argentina against France in the World Cup final. Argentina up 2-0. I go, this is great. Come out of church. What do I see? 2-2. Now I'm sweating bullets. Got Argentina minus 125. (sighs) That's okay. We go to extra time. Argentina scores 3-2. France ties it up about a minute and a half later. 3-3. We go to the world famous. Kicks on the spot. Comes down to that. Argentina wins. Beautiful match. One of the greatest World Cup matches I ever saw. Best maybe soccer match in the history that we've ever saw. Fantastic. And Argentina wins. All right. So now we go to the NFL morning games. We go to that. We've got all one-score morning games down to the final possession. Two of them end up in overtime. Craziness. Jacksonville upsets Dallas. Kansas City life and death to, to beat the Texans. But they get the job done. All right. Craziness. Jets and Lions. Lions get that miraculous win. Crazy. Now we go to 105 and we're to lead in the stadium. Time for the Raiders. Raiders lead 17 to 3 at halftime. Feeling pretty good. You're thinking, okay, it's it, it's the Patriots. If the Raiders were ever going to have one of these blowout games, this is probably going to be it. New England look horrible. Raiders look decent. It's 17 to 3. Then it starts to get interesting. Raiders got the ball deep in their own territory, 13-yard line in the third quarter. And then it begins to slowly but surely unravel. Oh, it's screen picked off! Touchdown! Kyle Duggar! Kyle Duggar, the Patriots, intercepts Derek Carr's pass in the flat. Carr was trying to go to Adams. Duggar one-handed it, and basically pranced into the end zone from 13 yards out. And just like that, it's 17-10. to 10. 
the Raiders' lead is cut to seven. Nick Folk kicks a 47-yard field goal. It's now 17-13. to 13. Raider fans are feeling a little bit uneasy at this point in time. All right, 126 to go in the third quarter. Now we go to the fourth quarter. Patriots get the ball back. Nick Folk tries another 54-yard field goal after their drive got stalled. He hits it, and now it's 17-16. Raider fans uneasy. This is when I make my way to the press box, from the press box, down to the field. I said, let me let me get a little closer look at what we got going here. All right. Now things really start to get nuts as chaos starts to begin and frustration is sitting in with Raider fans. All right. So now, 3.51 to go. And the Patriots have the ball down one with a chance to take the lead, have the ball in Raiders territory at the 36-yard line, three minutes to go. And now Stevenson back home in Las Vegas takes it in to give New England the lead, a 34-yard run. Stevenson into the end zone for a Patriots touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson. That's right. Las Vegas native by way of the University of Oklahoma. By the way, now the New England Patriots coming back home. Lots of friends and family in the stands watching here. And a lot of Patriot fans were here as well, too. So 34-yard touchdown. The Patriots now are up by five. They want to go for two to make it a seven-point lead. They convert with a pass to another than Jacoby Myers. We'll get to Jacoby Myers a little bit later, as well as Ramadre Stevenson. 24-17, now all of a sudden Patriots are leading. And guess what I see? Fans starting to leave Allegiant Stadium. They're saying, here we go again. Is it going to happen again that the Raiders are going to blow for the fifth time this year at least a 13-point lead? This was a 14-point lead. Patriots lead 24-17. Raiders are down to their final down from their own 19-yard line. It's 4th and 10. Carr completes a 13-yard pass to Mac Hollins. Raiders still alive. Raider fans still not really feeling it and believing it. Two plays later, it all changes for good as pandemonium strikes. Second down and 10 from the New England 30. Car end zone. It is Cole. Keelan Cole makes the catch. And the Raiders with an extra point. Tie the game. So, before that extra point took place, a lengthy review happened by the officials because Keenan Cole looked like he did not get that second foot down. And I posted a couple shots of this on social media. I saw white. Toes were on white. He was out. He was out. 100% out. He was out. And we had this lengthy review to try to overturn this. And the officials refused to do it. Why? Because the call on the field originally was touchdown. This is what I don't understand. You're either in or you're out. It's not a maybe. So the, the official, split second, sees it, puts his hands up, calls touchdown. 
You have video review. You have the angles. We can clearly see he's got toes on the white. Toes on the white. It's not soccer. It's not World Cup. It's not what we saw earlier. Toes on white and soccer, good. Toes on white in football, this football, American football, no good. He's out. This was like a four-minute review. They come back and they say the call stands, Raider fans, jubilation, Carlson PAT, now we're tied at 24. Craziness. But this is just the beginning of it. So, absurdity starts to reign supreme now because the Patriots have the ball with under a minute to go, and they're fine with just running the clock out. Even though they completed a little pass at their own 45-yard line, they took a timeout with three seconds to go. Now, one of two things is going to happen. Hail Mary time or Neil Diamond time. Or maybe a handoff to Ramondre Stevenson. Maybe he can bust one, right? Or he gets tackled. We're going to overtime. Everyone get ready. What? Let's get ready for the coin flip. What's going to happen? Heads, tails, who's going to get the ball? Which direction are we going to go? Plain and simple. But no, with three seconds to go, with the game tied at 24, Patriots ball on their own 45, desperation needed here, or just play it safe because you're getting ready to go to overtime. This happens. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. And Stevenson is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh Uh-oh. It's picked off. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Seen an ending I have like never one. seen anything like that. I have no idea why he was doing that. Oh my goodness. Nobody understood why he was doing that. The game should be over. Well, it should be going to overtime. Regulation's over. Ramondre Stevenson flips the ball to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers gets the ball. Luckily for him, he caught it. But then he decided to run backwards and sideways. And he's looking for someone else to give the ball to. He's about ready to get tackled. Mac Jones is 10 yards behind him in the center of the field. He's going to throw the ball to Mac Jones? What is Mac Jones going to do with the with the ball? Can't throw it forward. They already gained 18 yards. Mac Jones... Unbeknownst to him, I'm getting the ball here. No, Chandler Jones steps in front, picks it off, stiff arms Mac Jones, throws him to the ground, and Chandler Jones runs 48 yards into the end zone, and the Raiders get this miraculous victory. A gift-wrapped victory from the New England Patriots where Bill Belichick and everybody else, even the players on the field, are going, what in the heck did you just do? Insane. All right. That was the Fox television broadcast. Did really not do it justice. Not at all. All right. I want to hear the Raiders broadcast. Jason Horowitz and our man Lincoln Kennedy, who will be on the show with us tomorrow. All right. I want to hear their call. 
scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. And scores! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I can't believe what I just saw. Again! I can't believe what I just saw. This is unbelievable. I got me <laughs> Wow! On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas! That's Jason Horowitz, obviously. You know, Jewish Hanukkah, I guess, right? Okay. Uh, but how about our man Lincoln Kennedy? I can't believe what I just saw. I can't believe what I just saw. Nobody, Link could believe what they just saw nobody insane see radio is the best i love it radio because this is what we do in radio we describe we are descriptive television they just let it play out like you know that's why the television highlights never play really good on radio all right so <laughs> bob sochi is a friend of mine and bob sochi has been a regular on this program. I haven't had Bob on the on the program in a while because the Patriots haven't been good. And Bob was traveling today. And I did try to reach out to him. And I want to hear Bob's call. Now I have not heard the call with him yet. This might All be right. one of the best uh, best of the three. Okay. Now Bob does the play-by-play for the New England Patriots along with Scott Zolak. The former quarterback. Now they've been a, a great tag team partner there for the Patriots for all the Super Bowl runs, Brady and company, and all those guys. All right. Let's hear how it sounded from the New England perspective. On the hook and lateral to beat the Patriots several years ago. Now at a third and ten, three seconds left. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He started right. He runs it up the middle, hit by Chandler. Jones slips and hit across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Throw. Oh Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Unreal. Touchdown. Raiders. Good night. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. And a victory for Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You think Miami was bad? We're down here, the miracle of Miami? This is a heads roll type freaking play right here. Oh, my God. That is Scott Zolak. That is outstanding. That is their team. And Bob Sochi, that's why he's, he's one of the best. The way he described that. And so many times when you have hometown radio announcers, they're doing their team. You can hear the disgust. But Bob's a pro. And the way he described that was fantastic. You couldn't tell that he was a Patriots announcer. But Scott Zolak, the analyst, usually has oh, a little he bit let more... It out. Has a little bit more freedom, you know. But I wonder if he got scolded from his Patriot bosses from the way that he called that and said that. But he's right. It is the dumbest play maybe in the history of football. There's some dumb ones, and we'll get to those tomorrow for Terrible Tuesday. We'll rank them for you. But unbelievable. But the way 
that Zolak called that. He's right. It was dumb. Moronic. Stupidity. Did Jacoby Myers actually think they were behind? That's all you could think about. You do that nonsense when you're behind. You're going to overtime. You got a great shot to win this game. Get to overtime. But even with both announcers, are, are, and it's funny how Bob Sochi, if you listen, when he started that call, he was like maybe thinking that they may do a hook and lateral or something like that. And I thought that too, but not that. Not desperation lateral. Let's throw the ball 15 yards behind. Oh, to who? Our quarterback, Mac Jones? What? Just insane. Stupidity. Do we have Bill Belichick's sound? We have Bill Belichick. I wish we did. He had like nothing to say at the press conference ever, except they they tried to, to get him to say like, okay, is that on coaching? Did you make that call? Uh, where'd that come from? And he just, you know, typical Belichick. Uh, um, uh, that final play, I know it was yeah, a draw play. Was it, was it instinctive on Ramondre? Or was he given the green light to pitch it if no, he had an opening? We made a mistake on, you know, played it where A mistake on play. There it is. My man Willie Ramirez asked the question there, and then he came back and said, uh, he, he made a mistake. Uh, uh, you do we, you know, do you guys talk about this ahead of time that you, who's supposed to, you know, somebody's supposed to go down? Anything? Uh, we, we communicate those things. Yeah. We, we communicate those things. Uh, he made a mistake. That's what you got for Belichick. Typical Belichick. It was ridiculous. It was insane. It was downright absurd on that play. Josh McDaniels basically saying, hey, man, it's better to be lucky than good. Set up here a lot this year after some crazy finishes. And, uh, you know, I just told you guys in the locker room, you keep fighting and keep playing with great effort. And we got a lot of, obviously, a lot of character in our locker room to continue to fight and and press on even when it felt like it was hard, you know, and lost the lost the lead there late in the fourth quarter. And guys came back and made the plays that they needed to make to win. And, uh, you know, and I mean, the ball, this football, the ball bounces crazy, crazy ways. It's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, predictable game sometimes. And obviously the ending was, that's probably the most insane ending I think I've ever been a part of. But uh, we'll take it. We'll take it for sure. Yeah, they'll definitely take it for sure. All right, Josh McDaniel didn't know what to say. And again, he's stood in so many of these press conferences where he was second-guessed, questioned, ridiculed. What do you think Josh McDaniel was actually thinking when he saw the final play unfold? Don't get tackled by the quarterback. I mean, literally, I just was thinking I couldn't, I you know, it was obviously very... um I don't know what the word would be, but I was, I was, you know, once, once Ramondre pitched the ball to Jacoby, you know, I, I figured we'd probably just tackle whoever had it. And then that would, that would be it. And we'd go to overtime. And then when he lateraled the ball, um, I had no idea, you know, it didn't seem like a lateral play to me. You know what I mean? When they handed the ball off to the back. So, um, when they handed it to the back, um, I thought, you know, okay, tackle him, go to overtime. And then when I saw the ball up in the air and then I saw Chandler underneath and I'm thinking, Oh my God, we might, we might have a chance at this. And then when he caught it, I just, I saw Mac was back there and, um, just hoping that he could avoid, 
you know, whatever effort that Mac had to tackle him and then hopefully had enough juice left in his body to get to the end zone. Craziness in that stadium. We all were sitting there, standing there. What did we just see? Just like Lincoln Kennedy saw. What 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 did we just see? Like shocked and amazed. More Joshua Daniels. He knows that things haven't gone well for the Raiders this season, but man, sure feels good to be on the winning side of this one, no matter how it came about. You know, they've been through a lot, you know, and, and we've, you know, it's been well documented. You know, we've been in every game except for one and all that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and, uh, we certainly haven't been perfect in any of them. And, uh, but you can't take away from their effort and their, uh, ability to handle adversity and the character that they have. Um, they just continue to fight and continue to, to give great effort. And, um, unfortunately here the last, you know, month, month and a half, the balls bounced our way a few times and we've made the plays that we needed to make at the end of win. I mean, sometimes it's not pretty, you know what I mean? But you don't have to, it's not about style points. It's just about the result. And, uh, you know, very proud of the effort and, and the result today. All right. Amazing. Last play of the game for the Raiders to get pull out the victory here. But none of this happens if it wasn't for the Raiders' final drive, where they needed to convert a fourth and ten for that drive to tie the game. Here's Josh McDaniels talking about the final drive. You know, I mean, look, in that situation, everybody in the stadium knows it's, you know, you're throwing it. And uh I really give credit to uh our offensive line at that point. You know, we you know, uh, Dylan went out and we had Hironis in there and Jordan was playing, you know, quite a bit of snaps today. Uh, he and Hironis, I mean, they hadn't played football. The two of them haven't played in a game since August, you know, so, um, I give them a lot of credit for fighting and battling and being able to hang in there in that drive. Gave Derek's en- enough time to make some throws. Um, uh, I thought Matt Collins, you know, really kind of got us going there on the fourth down play and then had another one. Um, you know, Darren made a good catch down the middle and then Keelan, you know, and they were like, like most teams have done. Um, they paid a lot of, they paid a lot of attention to Devontae, you know, and so, um, trying to really avoid him beating him, um, which they did a pretty good job of that. We had a couple opportunities, but, um, I thought our, the other guys really had to come up and step up big and, um, they made the plays they needed to make. All right, Josh McDaniels talking about uh, that drive. Again, on that 4th and 10 from their own 19, Raiders completed a pass uh, for 13 yards. Uh, Darren Waller was big, open down the middle. His first game back, he was huge. A couple touchdowns for Waller yesterday. And then Keelan Cole with the catch in the back of the end zone. Here's McDaniels talking about the game-tying touchdown. You know, I mean, I obviously saw him catch the ball, Um I think the biggest thing they were trying to determine was, was there really a clear angle that you could say without a shadow of a doubt that has to be overturned? And, you know, usually when the play, you know, when they call it a touchdown and it takes that long, um, if you're the team that, you know, wants it to be a touchdown, that's usually a good sign, you know? So I think they were struggling with trying to determine whether or not his toe was actually, you know, on the white or did his foot hit and then, you know, eventually got to the white or did it not hit the white. So, um, they just said it was inconclusive, you know, and so they left it, they left it up. And lucky for the Raiders <laughs> because Keelan Cole's foot was on the white. There was no doubt about it. And then the Raiders lived to play another play. And then we saw what happened after that. All right. We know this game was not perfect for the Raiders. Penalties really killed this team again. This team had 
over 90 yards in penalties. Once again, 90 yards in penalties. Here's Joshua Bianca talking about the undisciplined Raiders. Seemed like we were, you know, in between silent cadence, using the cadence. You know, I mean, obviously they had a little bit of a showing here uh, from their side. Um, you know, just it's just uh, they're unforced errors. You know what I mean? And so uh, we we like to pride ourselves on not beating ourselves, and we certainly put ourselves in a lot of holes today with um, you know a handful of offensive penalties, and then we had some. I'd say some special teams penalties that really like we had a good return, but then the ball comes back to the nine yard line. So we lost quite a bit of field position uh, in some of those swings as well. So um, definitely, I mean, we have things to clean up for sure and uh, got to do a good job of trying to uh, address those and fix them and, um, you know, no excuses. All right. Raiders look like a team that was dead in the water in until that fourth and 10. And then they got the touchdown to tie it. And then of course the miraculous, uh, you know, Chandler Jones being in the right place at the right time to give them the victory. Uh, emotional day for Josh McDaniels going against his mentor, Bill Belichick, and many of those guys that he had coached for many, many years, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Here's McDaniels talking about facing his old team and beating them. Yeah, I, it, it's really not about me. Uh, it's really about our team, obviously. And, uh, you know, that team over there and that organization, I mean, they've been the standard for a long time. And, uh, you know, our team, <clears throat> our team knew the type of challenge this was going to be. Um, we knew they would be disciplined. Uh, we knew they would be competitive, physical, tough, um, and play hard in all three phases on every down. And, uh, that's what we got from them, you know, clearly. Um, I thought they really did a good job of, they had some adversity early in the game. We blocked the punt. We scored right before the half. Uh, and then they were able to sustain the momentum they created there at the beginning of the third quarter and eventually take the lead. So, um, I, I obviously give Bill a ton of credit for the, some of the adjustments that he made in the game and, uh, got them back in it in the head and, um, just, just grateful for the effort, uh, and, and, you know, performance of our team here down the stretch. Um, you know, I obviously have a, a lot of, um, people over there that I have great feeling for and admiration and respect. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people there. So, um, I'll never forget that. Um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I think I'm happy, I'm happiest for the group in our locker room. You know what I mean? And, um, the ball certainly bounced a couple funny ways for us this year. And, um, I think our team was really thrilled to, to have it kind of bounce our way today and in, in a, in a crazy ending, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, I, I spent some time on the field after the game because there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, have, have helped me to get to where I'm at. And, uh, hopefully, obviously I did my part when I was there. Oblong football takes some funny bounces, doesn't it? Sometimes for you, sometimes against. Against the Patriots yesterday and for the Raiders. And the Raiders get the victory 30-24. to All right, we'll hear from Derek Carr a little bit later on. But we come back. Matt Holt is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts about the game. Also from the sportsbook side, Chuck Esposito next hour. Kevin e. Martin from Channel 8. She'll join us as well, too, as we continue to talk Raiders, NFL Week 15, and a whole lot more on this magnificent or manic Monday. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, recapping the insanity that we saw, the NFL weekend. Oh, my goodness gracious. Let's bring in our good friend, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. Matt, what is up, brother? 
TC, how we doing, my man? Look, some people are saying uh, best sports day ever yesterday. I don't know about that, but it sure was a good one. Well, let's talk, let's examine that because I may go along with that because not only did we have the crazy endings, Matt, uh, Matt, but 12 of the 15 games in the NFL yesterday. Actually, you know, let's go back to the game Thursday and the three on Saturday. Okay, so we've had 15 games thus far. We'll have the 16th game played tonight in Monday Night Football with the Packers and the Rams. 12 of the 15 games were one-score games. Can you remember anything like that? No, I can't. And, of course, you know, uh, the, the World Cup kicking it off with that amazing game, 3-3, back mm. and forth, and then Argentina winning it on penalties. And, um, yeah, and the NFL more than lived up to it all weekend. I mean, the Bills-Dolphins was as good as any game played on Sunday. So certainly an amazing sports weekend. No doubt. I, I can't ever remember a day or a weekend where we had so many close games, unbelievable endings. And like you said, you throw in the World Cup with Argentina and France. I mean, how exciting was that? That was fantastic. But no, just a great, great weekend. It was it was phenomenal. And, you know, we had controversy. We had some maybe some blown calls. But, I mean, this is why uh, our American public, you know, loves sports, specifically the NFL. Yeah, and look, uh, that's right. I think it is why they do love the NFL because there's so much parity in the league and and the games are so close. And um, unfortunately, this weekend for us UNLV fans, we ended up on the wrong side of a close one. Um, but but un- unbelievable sports weekend and capped off tonight with a really important game. If the Packers are going to have any shot, they have to win tonight. And the idea of Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, not something we say very often, uh, but that'll be a possibility if they don't get the job done tonight. The underdogs covered 10 of the 15 NFL games over the weekend, but Matt, we're hearing that it was like a record bad day for the sports books. Uh, how, how does that uh, translate? I don't know about record bad, but um, there were some popular dogs that won. You know, the Chargers ended up getting it done. They were really uh, a popular side here. And, you know, I, I know the Raiders were a popular side. We saw a lot of movement there. So, you know, the, the sides that did move the most, you know, this was a line that was New England won at one point, closed Raiders too. They end up getting the money and the job done. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, a popular dog all week, ends up getting the job done. Chicago Bears, a popular dog on Sunday morning. Once everyone knew that Justin Fields was fully healthy, they end up getting the job done. So, you know, one of the we always talk about it in dogs and favorites, but we what we need to kind of do is look at where the heavy movement ended up going on the weekend. And in that case, it did look like the books took it on the chin in quite a uh, quite a few of those contests. All right, we see the Minnesota Vikings again uh, in a close game. It doesn't matter whether they're on the the right side or the wrong side, but we know they're they're not good at covering the point spread, especially as a favorite. They went 39-36 in the biggest comeback in NFL history, uh, surpassing what we saw in 1992 with the Bills and uh, the, the Oilers and that game going way back when. Uh, give me some thoughts here as you, you know, I, I was going to the Las Vegas Bowl and I told the story earlier how basically I just gave up on this game. And then I started to monitor, monitor it a little bit when the Vikings cut it to 36-21 with 13 minutes to go in the game. I go, well... 
kind of seen Kirk Cousins do this before. I mean, for the, for bad or for, you know, for worse or sometimes for good, you don't know what you're going to get. But another amazing, crazy, high-scoring game with the Vikings. Yeah, and for as many, you know, as exciting as those comebacks are, and we always talk about the people that, that make all this money betting on the big comebacks, there's also, you know, the flip side of it. And, you know, we saw Caesars report this morning um, that one particular better bet $50,000 on the Colts money line when they were minus 5000 <laughs> They end up losing, turns around and bet $90,000 on the Cowboys when they're minus 900 up 2710, ends up losing that one, and then culminates his day betting $65,000 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> minus 650. When they're up double digits, they lose. That's a tough day, TC. It, it's tough. And this is, I, I don't understand. You know, when you have these in game wagerings, especially now, I get it. Now, there are a lot of guys who took the Vikings at like plus 1200 or even plus uh, 2000 when they were down like that and they took a shot. They took a shot. But I never understood, Matt, why people would take, especially kind of an inferior football team like the Colts and, you know, they're way ahead. It's like, okay, I'm going to bet 50 grand to win a thousand. I mean, that is insane to lay that on a bad football team, especially when there's so much time left in the game. I mean, minus 5,000, and like you said, 90,000 to win 10,000, minus 900 on the Cowboys when they're leading the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I just never really knew that it was that prevalent for guys to lay that kind of stuff in in-game. And I get it for a fight, especially, you know, in boxing, maybe even UFC to a certain degree. And again, I'm guilty of of laying on Canelo Alvarez. I get that. But in an in-game wagering, especially when you're betting a bad football team, please explain that to me. Yeah, I don't know. And the NFL, I think football as a whole is one of those sports I don't think I would do that on. But the NFL especially is one of those sports that I, I would avoid that, especially with the you know, the prevalence of fourth quarter comebacks this year. We've just seen it time and time again that it just takes one big penalty or one big play to get a team going. And then, of course, with all these no-huddle offenses predicated on throwing the ball constantly, teams don't really know how to run the football, run a clock out. So the idea of holding on to the these big leads the way that teams used to, it just isn't the same anymore. And I think I'd be very hesitant uh, baseball, I still think, you know, you get a five or six run lead, you're probably more likely to hold on. But football is crazy now, and teams do not know how to run the ball, maintain drives, pick up first downs, and run clock because that's not what they do for 55 minutes. They throw, 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 throw. When you ask them to run out a clock, they have no clue how to do it. So I certainly don't think I do it in a football game, but, uh, yeah, man, that's a, that's a tough day. <laughs> Matt Holt joins us uh, from U.S. Integrity. All right, man, let's talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, Oregon State blasts Florida. We had talked about this, figured it was going to happen. This is a, a 500 team for Florida going through a lot of changes, two bad years in a row. Uh, it just, they, they didn't show up to play in Oregon state going after a 10 win season, been on fire towards the end of the season. We saw what they did against Oregon uh, a couple weeks earlier, and this is a great spot for the Oregon state Beavers. Unfortunately, not a lot of people saw this at Allegiant stadium. 
Uh, what do you blame for that? Do you blame the, the the bad season that Florida had? Maybe the short turnaround time for people to travel to this thing? Or how much to blame is it that the Raiders got flexed out of that Sunday night game and, and basically the Raiders in the NFL made the Las Vegas Bowl move this game up to 1130 in the morning? I think there's a lot of factors, TC, but I think the one that holds truest to me is that people just don't care about games that don't mean anything anymore. And we've seen it in the All-Star games, in every sport. It's not just the Pro Bowl, the MLB All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game. They're all doing creative things all the time to try to make these exhibition games more fun. I always thought the best thing college football could do was have more meaningful games. Rather than have a conference championship game with just two teams, maybe have a four-team tournament and take the four top teams and let them play two games to win the championship. Because the one thing we do know, TC, in America, when you play football games, college or pro, that means something. With something on the line, people show up, people tune in, people watch, and people bet. When you have games that don't mean anything, Nobody shows up. Nobody watches. The betting's way down. And in this case, for Florida, half the players didn't show up, including their starting quarterback. That's the problem with a lot of these bowl games. When the players are opting out of playing, when the coaches are opting out of playing, as a fan, if the kids don't want to play, if the coach doesn't want to coach, why do I want to tune in? I'm with you, man. And I never thought I would I, I would uh, you know say this, but... I'm a traditionalist and I love the bowl games, but let's remember, Matt, way back in the day, we had like a minimal number of bowl games and all those bowl games, you know, were pretty meaningful. How about we get back to this? We get back to, okay, you've got your expanded playoff. That's fine. But for those teams that are on the outside looking in, especially now when, when you'll have four teams making the playoff, you know, I still want to see Alabama play another game. I still, you know, I want to see LSU. I want to see teams like that in Tennessee, right? Should we just maybe just scale back the bowl games and get rid of all these mediocre bowl games and maybe have maybe eight or 10 bowl games? Maybe that's even too much, but where we still would get some meaningful games, some good matchups for teams just outside of the playoffs. Because right now, I mean, when you are having nearly 40 bowl games and you're having... 42. 40, oh, 42. Unbelievable. When we have a five-win team in because, oh, well, we don't have enough six-win teams. I mean, th- that should show us right there and everybody, especially college football, that this is nonsense. And now when we add in the fact that people are not attending these games... That's the worst part about it. So what do you think? Is yeah. this something that we that, that, that we could get some legs where you just get rid of a majority of these games and then make, say, eight bowl games and make them meaningful? Well, I think it, it'll start to happen anyway, TC, because what we're naturally seeing is an expanded playoff. What I think is pretty widely publicly available now is the fact that you know, they'd like to turn this into a 4-16 team super conference in D1 D1 football, which would limit that number to 64 teams. Well, what do the other 71 teams in Division I do? Well, they probably need to go out and find something else to do. I like the idea of 8 to 10 bowl games other than the playoff. Uh, 42 is just getting crazy. And with the transfer portal and NIL, these kids' seasons are over. They're trying to find their next destination. And who's going to pay them NIL deals? They don't want to play in these games. 
And I think that's the biggest deterrent to fans. When the players say, we don't care, we don't want to play, and the coaches say, we don't care, we don't want to coach in them, why should you care as a fan? There's no incentive to care if nobody else does, and it's been proven in attendance, it's been proven in TV ratings. And at this point, all you have is this company, and there really is a company called Bowl Season, and all they do is manage bowl games and go find sponsors for these games. The only people that show up for these games are the, are the companies that sponsor the games themselves. And I think that's a shame because bowl games really, I'm with you as a sort of purist of it. Bowl games used to be fun and mean something, and they just don't have that anymore. It's true. And I really feel bad for our guy, John Sassenti. I mean, we're watching one right now, right? Right. UConn and Marshall in the the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and there's (laughs) nine people there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right, Matt, quick take. Uh, We got it. I guess kind of a meaningful game for the Packers tonight. Uh, hang on a slim uh, thread of hope for the playoffs. What do you think happens? Packers seven and a half point choice of the Rams. Well, I, I never liked playing chalk TC. You know that, but I, I tell you, I thought it was really fluky last week. What happened with the Rams and the Raiders. And now there is all this love for Baker Mayfield. In fact, Baker Mayfield might be the most popular player in the NFL last week after that dramatic comeback. I don't think that's possible two weeks in a row. I think the Rams are more the team that we saw for 55 minutes, not very good than the team that we saw in the last five minutes pull that miracle. I think they struggle mightily tonight. Green Bay gets it done in a must-win situation, and I'm not going to be surprised if they get a little margin, cover the spread, and win by double digits. Yep, you and I are on the same page. Brother, I appreciate you as always, uh, uh, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Have a great Christmas, Matt, with you and the family. All right, thanks, TC. You as well. Take care. There it is. Happy holidays to him and everybody. We come back. Kevin E. Martin from News 8 is going to join us. She was there at Allegiant Stadium like me yesterday. She was down there. We will uh, get her take on the wild ending with the Raiders and the Patriots. Chuck Esposito will join us from Red Rock as well. We continue on on this marvelous Monday. Live. The entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Number two on this, what is it, Manic Monday, Magnificent Monday? Who knows what? Depends, I guess, who you're rooting for. Are you Are you more France? Ma- France, Manic. Argentina. Marvelous. Raiders. Mysterious. 
Kevin Martin fan? Who, me? No. Who? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Any Kevin Martin fan. Oh yeah. Is it a, it's gonna be it's that's gonna man, it's gonna be a marvelous. That's man that's manic right there. That, <laughs> no. No, I think that's more mysterious than anything else. All right, we continue on hour number two. Chuck Esposito is gonna join us from Red Rock. Talk about the big winners at the sports book. And it was the players wasn't so much the sports book side of things. All right, we'll talk to Chuck about that. Looking forward to getting over there later on tonight as well, too, as I continue the birthday food tour. More food is a good thing. That's it. I'm like Dennis Rodman. Is it going to be another cake? I don't know. I, I don't I don't think so. We never know. I wasn't expecting a cake last night, but I got the cake. I don't know. I didn't order it. I'll take it, though. Aren't you glad that I brought you some cake today? I can't wait to get done with this and eat it. <laughs> See, this I'm a little, I'm a little shocked. I'm, I, I'm actually happy for a change because I am always offering you food and you decline. When I go to Freddy's, I say, hey, you want me to bring you some Freddy's? You go, nope, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, come to Blue Ribbon with me, the Cosmopolitan. Nope, I'm good, I'm good. Hold on. So what, I, you I can't get a hall I, pass? Is that I, what the I would, deal is? I would only turn down Blue Ribbon if I had something to go, something else to do. What does that mean? I'm offering you food. You come I and get the food. I love Blue Ribbon. I yeah. would go no matter what. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Freddy's. I'm like you yeah. with their fries. It's it's, it's yeah. by the time you get to them, by the time you get it here, it's like well, yeah, you gotta eat. I understand fresh, that. Fresh. I understand. I'll, that. I'll go there any day you want. Cheese curds travel better. No, they don't. They don't. No. Okay, I'm not a cheese curd guy. Cheese curds. Twelve years in Wisconsin. I'm not a cheese curd. Here's guy. the thing: is they all like melt together. Yeah. And they become like three giant curds, and it's just like oh, okay. How that? about no fries in? I'll just bring the Chicago dog. You bring in the burger. How's that? Or how about if I bring you the shake? I'm not Frank. I, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a mess. You're a mess, dude. All right. Enough of this. I all will right. have a Chicago All dog. right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go All right, to our food connoisseur. I think she's also turning to food connoisseur because I never sat next to anybody in the press box before that ate as much as me. And now she's going to get mad at me for saying that. But no, I didn't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in a good way because I love foodies. Kevin E. Martin, News 8. No relation, by the way. People are asking me, are you guys related or what? I don't know. It might be a, a, a distant, distant cousin from, I don't know. What's going on, Special K? What's going on? First and foremost, I will never, ever get mad at someone to say I out-eat them. I hold pride in being a foodie, so yes, I'm glad that you recognize a real foodie, TC. I love it. I love it. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can see us dining together and just like ordering about 18 different things, and that's it. You oh, know? Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, Definitely. So first time that we've had Kevin on on the the show before. So uh, yeah, so welcome. Like debut. It is. Thank you. I know. I'm honored. I know. Now, oh, Woo! well, and and uh, we usually give a lot of our regular guests uh, theme songs as well too. So you know we're we're gonna we're gonna find something for you by by the time this is over, and then next time you come on, you will actually have your own theme song. What do you think of that? You know, every, everybody, oh, I like it. Everybody has to have a walk-up song, you know, right? Exactly. I like it. <laughs> All right. So I want to know what you thought about yesterday because we're watching this game yesterday, and then I know that you had to go do your TV thing. Uh, you know, when I say TV thing, 
That means a makeup thing. All right, she's got to go just like B. Sal and Chris Matthews, everybody else. They got to go and they got to get their makeup on and everything. So I don't know how much of the the bizarreness that you missed yesterday because you're getting your makeup on, getting ready to go on live right after the game because this game was on CBS yesterday. It was on uh, on Channel Eight here. So I, I take take me to your world. As uh, Ramondre Stevenson says, okay, I don't want this football anymore. Uh, Jacoby here, you take it. Well, I don't want it. I'm looking for Mac Jones. <laughs> Where were you? were you on the field when this all transpired? So I was in the. So basically, when we parted ways, um, it was it was looking like another Raiders collapse, and I was like, here we go again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I grabbed my makeup and all my gear, and I went down um, field level. And there is a um, photog room, like a gear room for all the photographers and stuff that have TVs and everything. So I was getting ready because we go live right after the game for our sports wrap show on the field. So I just have to be ready to head out there to meet my photog. So I was watching the game field level um, on a TV, getting ready, like you said, my hair and makeup, getting all ready. And... um, so when the Chandler Jones play transpired, Logan, um, who also works for Channel 8, was down there. And he said, he, I took off running so fast. I, like, blacked out. I don't even remember. I ran out of that photog room. And it's about a 100-yard dash straight to the field. Basically, you come out through the tunnel that the players are exiting. So I think I made it to the field before Chandler Jones got to the end zone. That's how fast I was running. <laughs> okay, now we know that you're I, you're an athlete. I mean, you're, you're, you're a former baller. We know that. So, And I know that you stay in shape. You run on a regular basis. I mean, would you, would, is, is it easy to safe to say that you're probably the fastest media member uh, down in that tunnel? Whew. Yeah, um, you know, you probably, <laughs> you know, as media members, we're competitive. So I would say yes, um, but then, like, you know, you have Brian Salmon, who would probably say he's the fastest. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna dispute it. He's gonna dispute oh, everything yeah. with you and me both. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but I love it. I love the competition. So, um, yeah, me personally, I would say I'm probably I probably would run the fastest forty. But you know, <laughs> there's gonna be a million guys saying they run it faster. So I guess you know the only way to actually prove it is to do it and i'm down so if anyone wants to set up a 40-yard dash competition between the las vegas media let's do it there there it is three-point contest free throws horse competition (laughs) and now and now 40s Uh, she she would probably be the six to five favorite in all of these things I love it. I love it. I'm getting it. old. I'm getting old, TC. I'm almost washed up. Come yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, right. I'm, we're not buying that for a minute. All right. So the Keenan Cole catch yesterday. I, I don't know what kind of view you had, you know, from that, but man, it looked like definitely foot on white, and we know foot on white in American football is no good. Perfectly fine in in that other football that we saw earlier in the day with with Argentina and France. But not here, and the officials just could not overturn this. And if if it wasn't for that, I mean, we wouldn't even be having a Chandler Jones moment, right? Oh, exactly. That was Keelan Cole's first touchdown as a Raider, and it couldn't have come at a bigger time. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's tough. I mean, you you saw what I saw. I'm gonna leave it at that. It looks like there might have been some white on the toe. Um, it was definitely close. What I didn't get was uh, during the replay. 
on the national broadcast, they, they were only giving us two angles, and they weren't the greatest angles. I was looking, whatever happened to the pylon cam? If they there, had the pylon cam, I mean, he was right there in front of the pylon. That would have been the most definitive angle, and I don't know why they never went to that if it wasn't working, but um, I kept asking them, like, where's the pylon cam? <laughs> you know, I think that the pylon cam is only set up there at the first two, uh, the front pylons, Oh, and, and it's not in the back. It's, I don't think it is in the back. And then those cameras are set for pretty much, you know, goal line only, from goal line to goal line to see if somebody crossed. Okay. So I don't think the, yeah. even that front pylon, you know, again, you're the TV person. You 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 know uh, better about camera work than I do. If, if that thing is more circular, what the deal is or what, I don't think it's robotic there uh, at the pylon cam, but... I don't know. I mean, I was, I was, I was down there and just looking up at the, at the scoreboard, jumbotron, whatever you want to say. And I mean, they did a pretty good job of zooming in and saying like, okay, it looked like, you know, foot was on white there. And I think that Derek Carr knew that. I think that uh, Josh McDaniel probably knew that. But again, in this crazy, you know, rule book that we have, I guess it's like, it has to, you know, it, overturn the, the car, the call, the original call. And, you know, to me, it's just, we just got to get to the point where, okay, do you see a foot on white or not? Forget what the referee called originally or the line judge or whoever it is. And I think, you know, we're, we've got to kind of maybe get away from that. Exactly. Um, that was the luckiest break that the Raiders got was the fact that the, the, the refs originally called it a touchdown, like you said, instead of calling it out of bounds. Because if that was the case, the reason why it was rolled a touchdown, like you said, there was no definitive um, view that he was out right even though it you and i can debate this still it, it you know the pigs fly over the moon but um yeah i mean it basically at the, at the end of the day they said there was no definitive um way to reverse the call so essentially it stood but i agree with you if if what you see if you know screw the rule book if what you see is white toe on white then it's not a touchdown um so yeah it's tough but, you know, obviously it worked in the Raiders' favor, that's for sure. I thought you would definitely go until the cows come home. I mean, be, being the Amish girl that you are from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've been learning about you. I've been really learning about you. This, You know, this the sweet, wholesome, you know, Pennsylvania girl outside of Pittsburgh, the oil city. Yeah, there it is. That's right. Uh, I, I disappointed you with that saying. Uh, My bad. No, yeah, pigs fly. I'm going to go cows come. Who knows what? All right. Kevin E. Martin joins us from News 8. Uh, so talk a little bit about, you know, you did, again, you guys show right after the game was over yesterday. What, what was this chaos like for you yesterday? Oh, my God. It was, a, it was crazy. Um, so as I said, I made it out to the tunnel that basically the players were exiting as I was coming in. So I was in that whole mess with Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels, Max Crosby. They were all just going crazy as they exited the field. And what really struck me is, I mean, this was on the national broadcast as well, is Chandler Jones was fighting back tears. I mean, this was a big moment for him against his former team. And, you know, he's gotten a ton of criticism this year for not living up to the money that he's being paid and, you know, obviously not accumulating the sacks or the stats that everyone thought he was. So, like, this was a big-time play for him um, to cement himself on the Raiders roster. And um, that's the one thing that stood out to me as he was exiting the field and I was standing there waiting to go live, um, that he was fighting back tears. And it, it was pretty cool. And, you know, all, obviously all of Raider Nation is – 
Half of them are screaming and going crazy. The other half are literally picking their jaws off the ground because they have no idea what they just witnessed. Um, so it was quite uh, a scene to, you know, see down there on the field. Um, and it, it stayed lively throughout. I mean, we were live all the way up through 6.30, and, you know, Raider Nation was hanging around up until 5, 5.30, and, you know, eventually they had to exit Allegiant Stadium. But, it, I mean, people did not want to leave. That's that's how um, crazy that ending was. You know, in this business, whether it's it's television, radio, or even as a journalist, when you, when you get a chance to cover these games like this that will go down – in the record book, basically, as some of the most bizarre or historic. Uh, and again, for the good or the bad or whatever, I mean, it's something that, that we're all going to remember, you know, being there yesterday. Uh, have you had a couple of those other type of moments? Because we've all had, you know, several of these things like, wow, I, 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 I can't believe I, I, you know, reported on that or whether it was a game broadcast and being part of that or just, again, just being in the building. Where does this rank? Uh, for you and some of the stuff you've covered? Yeah, it's definitely up there, as far, even as far as, um, you know, all the Raiders games that I've covered. I mean, this was probably up there as one of, if not the most memorable Raiders game that I covered. Um, I've covered a few Super Bowls, and I was at, I think it was, it was at Super Bowl 51, the Patriots, uh, Falcons, Tom Brady's comeback. Oh, wow, 28-3. You were there, huh? Yes. Okay. So I was in the building for that. So I would say that's obviously probably one of the biggest, um, ones that stand out to me. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been, you know, there's been some crazy that obviously that first season with the Golden Knights, that crazy run. There were so many games that season where like Chris, Chris Matthews and I, who also works at Channel 8, still talk about it to this day. We're like, that season, like the Golden Knights could be down 4 1 in the third period and somehow they'd come back and win it 5 4. You know, like that first season was crazy. So there was a bunch of games there. Um, you know, the aces, obviously the handy heave, that was memorable as she, she jacked up that, that half court shot to win the game. Um, was it, that was over the Mercury, right? I uh, know it's over the Chicago sky. Yeah. My, my, oh, my, my voice still hasn't recovered from that. You know, it's still hoarse. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, there's been some, there's been a lot of fun ones, but no doubt, um, that Chandler Jones walk-off touchdown will definitely go down as one for sure. No doubt. All right. Kevin E. Martin joins us uh, from News 8. All right, so what do you got going uh, tonight? Uh, tell, our, tell our listeners what, what you guys got cooking there, you and Chris and the gang. Yeah, we got a Golden Knights, obviously, big one tonight. Um, we'll be there at the Fortress covering that one. Um so, yeah, I'm excited because, um, you know, we've been so busy with Raiders coverage that I haven't been covering the Golden Knights as much as I'd like to. It's always in spurts. So um, I'm excited to get over there. I haven't been to that many home games this year. So we'll be live throughout the night there. And, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can get another win here for Vegas for the Vegas sports team. It has been crazy when you when you think about it, you know, with all of the events and the sports teams. I mean, we go back to, you know, I mean, heck, we had we had boxing here on Friday night. And, of course, you know, we had the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, then UNLV as well on Saturday. And then you come back with the Raiders game. And then, again, tonight with the Golden Knights. I mean, the Golden Knights played, you know, last Friday as well, too. So you have our, what, Saturday. I mean, it was just, it's just crazy that uh, what is happening here. But we love it. 
Uh, and tonight again, you got the Buffalo Sabres are in town, but mm-hmm. real quick, real quick take on the Golden Knights here. I mean, having problems winning at home and again, losing again to the Islanders a couple nights ago. This team is fantastic on the road, but they can't win at home. And you know, you go back and, and talk, you, like you mentioned that inaugural season was so fantastic and, and so fun to cover, but now we're just kind of seeing a little regression with the Knights and especially at home. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, the first five seasons, they looked almost unstoppable there at times at home. I mean, their home record was outstanding. Um, and like you said, this year, they've been struggling a little bit here at home. Um, for a while there, they were the best road team in the entire NHL, and obviously they still are one of the best. But, yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Um, we have Derek Carr on every week for our face – or Derek Carr, excuse me, Derek England, sorry. Right, right. <laughs> Everyone's like, you have Derek Carr talking about the Golden Knights? What? <laughs> um, <laughs> So we get we have Derek England every week um, in studio for our face-off segment, and he made a great point um, with how hectic their schedule has been lately with all the traveling and back-to-backs, and um, they really haven't had a lot of time to practice, if you think about it. And with a first-year head coach who plays a completely different style than the two previous coaches, um, he made a great point that they're kind of getting back to way to the ways they used to play before Bruce Cassidy took over. Um, no fault of their own. They just have no time to practice. And with a first year head coach, it's, you know, that's just muscle memory and getting back to it. So that was pretty interesting to hear. Cause I actually hadn't even thought about that just about, you know, just getting in there and practicing and getting the rest they need to really know the ins and outs of Bruce Cassidy's system. So, um, you know, that could be a factor as well, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to just see how much, because like we just talked about, home ice had always been such a big deal for the Golden Knights. Um, but hopefully they can get back there and uh, start to put some wins together. You're a Pittsburgh girl. Were, were, you, uh, yeah. were you loving the Pittsburgh Penguins? Were you a hockey girl at all back in the day or what? Yes. So uh, my family's 10 bucks dealers through and through. Um, yeah, we loved it, it was pretty cool when, um, so we, we spoke about this yesterday, yesterday about how I started here in Vegas, August of 2017. So that was right when the Golden Knights, um, right around the expansion draft. Yep. And when they picked up Mark Andre Fleury in the expansion draft, my family went absolutely crazy because obviously we're Penn fans from Pittsburgh and they're like, Oh my God, you're going to get to cover Mark Andre and all this stuff. So it was pretty cool to, um, you know, move here from Pittsburgh to Vegas the same time Mark Andre did. So um, that was really cool. And um, yeah, so Penn's Pirates. We don't really like to remember Pirates fans because there's not much to cheer for. You know, <laughs> every season we got we got a beautiful stadium though. I'll give them that. And that's but, why you uh, go to the games there. You hang out at PNC Park on a nice summer day, and I'm sure great food options there. Right? You see where my my mind oh, goes yeah. goes right for the food. You know. <laughs> Always. PC, we are always on the same page. Always. Same team. There it is. I want to see you on skates. That's what I want to see. Oh, no, you don't. No? No, you don't. No. I want to to see a live report with you on skates. That's what I want to see. You do not. So... Like I'm an athlete, right? We spoke about this, played division one college basketball. So, you know, like I'm an athlete. So I actually had never, I, I skated a few times as a kid at like the public ice skating rink and stuff, but like never anything serious. And my first year here, we did a segment, um, where the golden Knights held a uh, program. It was like women's learn to skate program. And a couple of the guys came out and just taught a bunch of women. And my, my station was like, Oh, that'd be cool. If you went out there, put on some skates and went live. Um, 
TC, it was ugly. It was <laughs> so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Down goes I, Kevin E. There it is. I, <laughs> I was like all cocky going into it. I'm like, I got this. I yeah. got this. I could not. I could not even just like skate i was i'm tall six one lanky i mean my arms were flailing everywhere and, and the ankles yeah. were turning in right you couldn't you couldn't keep that balance your ankles would turn like what 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 am i what is this am i deformed yep. what i got yep. you so, so no one wants to see that i did it once and uh, i quickly retired from that stay, <laughs> stay on the hardwood and not the ice right there you go. that's what we learned from there you go. all right well, we will let you get back to work, but before we do that, we will we'll, we will send you out with with a little song that I that I know is uh, will get you pumped up for the rest of your day here. Here you go. Oh, okay. All right. See, <laughs> <laughs> she's laughing. I can hear it. Go, go, go ahead. Let's hear you sing along. Rhyme a little oh, bit, girl. Let's hear you rap. That's another thing you guys do not want to see or hear. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Listen, if B Sal can come on here and start singing to Bill Biv DeVoe, I mean, you could oh. you could go with a little T Pain. Come on now. <laughs> hey, you know I am the biggest. No one wants to hear me rap or sing. <laughs> I got to paint the picture for everybody. So yesterday we were in the press box. And she's like in his zone. Leave me alone, everybody. T-Pain's coming on stage. This is my guy. Leave me alone. I got my food. I got my beverage. I'm zoned into that stage up there by the torch. I mean, you you were downright rude yesterday. Jeez. No, no, I'm just I'm kidding. You're in the zone. You're in your T-Pain zone. I was. He's my guy. I was pumped. Even though from the press box, like we were talking about, you can barely see the performance. But I was I was locked in. <laughs> oh, too funny. All right, girl, we'll let you go. Hey, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you back on here on, on, a, on a regular basis. Uh, love uh, chatting it up with you all the time and love watching you on TV. Continue the, yeah, the great work. All right. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. <laughs> you got it, girl. All right. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. You too. Bye. There she is, Kevin e. Martin over at uh, News 8. Her, Chris Matthews, those guys do a fantastic job there. T Pain fan. So. Yesterday she goes, I'm a big T fan. I go, really? She goes, Are you a T Pain fan? I go, eh, not so much. She goes, T Pain's like top three for me. I go, top three. I go, well, who are your other top two? What do you think she came with, Numchuck? I have no idea. She came like with Jaw Rule and, oh, okay. and and a couple others, right? So then of course she turns to me. And she goes, so what do you? Who are your top three? After she's going with T Pain and Jaw Rule and just blah 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 blah, and then she goes. Who's your top three? I, I wish she was still on because I, I probably should have you told the story when, when, when she yeah. was on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me? Well, Earth, Wind, Fire, Michael, Stevie. And then the look on her face was like, oh, yeah, you're talking like legend. So I guess that kind of blows away my T-Pain and jaw Rule. Sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> and see, and that I didn't want to come across. But stop the Grandpa stuff. <laughs> because even she admitted that, like, okay... My top three can't compare to your top three. Has nothing to but do with she age. She called yours Listen. legends. Legends, yeah, they are legends. Yeah, they are legends. Hall of Famers, my friend. Okay, so don't give me no that grandpa. Means that, that means they had to have been around Listen, for a while. I know. Listen, okay. If you asked my daughter, 
her top three. What do you think they're going to be? It's going to be the same as, same, not the same. Are as you going to call her grandma? No, I'm not going to call her grandma. She's in her 20s? No, but no, it's, it's because just fun she has to call an appreciation for, for the, the art, the artistry, the music, the legendary, the Hall of Famers. You mean this isn't good? This is okay. This is not top three worthy. It's not top 20, not top 50 worthy. I mean, T-Pain's great. I know. Nice little groove. But you know, of all time. No, and again, I'm just giving her a bad time because, hey, anybody can have whatever they want. They want their, their top three, top five can be whoever. It doesn't matter to me. You know? doesn't matter. I, I support that because it is what it, it means to you. And I think it goes back to this. And we talked about this yesterday, her and I, is that your top artists of all time usually revert back to your childhood. That's where it is. So, okay, so you want to call me a grandpa for that, even though I am not a grandpa. I don't, okay. I don't have grandchildren. Okay. Don't, don't wish I that know. upon me. Okay. But again, hey, you know, some of the great, the, the greatest of all time. I know people that are in their twenties that will, or even teenagers that pay homage and will say, Oh, you know, Michael Jackson, my, my all time favorite. They weren't alive when Michael Jackson was performing or Stevie Wonder, or whoever, but there it is. So, so cut it, cut us. Older folks, a little slack, man, would you? Come on. I'm sorry, Grandpa. It won't happen again. Yeah, that's it. You're fired. You're fired again. That's it. There he is. He's out. <laughs> All right. Get somebody else in here and take us to the break, please. Somebody, Chuck, do you, you got a twin? Can you clone? Chuck Esposito will join us coming up next, and we talk about the, I guess, bad day at the books, but we'll recap a wild NFL Sunday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right. A little Monday. Now I'm chuckling a little, uh, a little hard rock here. A little RVD, don't you? Little uh, RVD. You got RVD on your mind? No. No. If this is just one of my top three bands. Really? Yeah. Top three for you? Yes. Of all time? Of all time. I don't know if I want to see the rest of that list. You'd be shocked. Uh, would I? Yeah. Okay. It's like Beatles. I can see that. I mean. I don't know about this. All right. Good deal. RVD. My birthday brother. Yeah. His birthday was yesterday, too. RVD. In the house. All right, uh, got a chance to exchange our traditional birthday greetings. Got to have RBD back on the show. We will. We do. All right, let's head on over to the Red Rock and our good friend Chuck Esposito. All right, Chuck, we've been talking about uh, top three uh, favorite groups, artists, bands. Give me your top three, Chuck. I know. I know you got a lot of them to choose wow. from, but go ahead. Go. <laughs> Growing up, I, I loved Aerosmith. I was a huge Aerosmith fan. Yeah, uh, I was I was fortunate enough to see uh, Queen with Freddie Mercury as the lead singer. Um, so I got to say I was a big Queen fan. And after that, I liked a lot of different music, and uh, you know, I was a fan of a, of a lot. But those were probably my 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 two. As as I kind of was. Uh, uh, Getting into this music, I really like Aerosmith and Queen a lot. You know, it's funny that we we just had this conversation about when people talk about their their favorite 
you know, uh, groups or artists of all time. It, and I said, it usually reverts back to your childhood, you know, and I, and I think that is so true. I think with music and I think, you know, maybe even sports to a certain degree, but definitely, you know, music of like, you know, stuff that just, uh, kind of, kind of shapes you or leaves an impression with you at an early age. And you kind of, you know, you carry that on with as being like, okay, this is going to be one of my favorites, uh, for my lifetime. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I tend to agree. There it is. All right. Well, a couple of good ones there, Chuck. Earl Smith Queen. I can, I can, uh, I can endorse that with you. I like it. All right, man. So what about the crazy endings there that we saw, not just yesterday in the NFL, but the entire weekend, Chuck was insane. We talk about the World Cup yesterday morning. And then, of course, the Raider game. We go back to the Viking game on, on, on Saturday morning. Uh, the UNLV USF thing was wild where UNLV, didn't score in the final three minutes. USF wins the game and took their only lead on their on their three pointer. There was six seconds to go. I mean, can you remember such a a wild and crazy uh, weekend where we had so many close games and so much excitement? I really can't see. I mean, I, I know we've talked about it in in pro football that. Uh, there's been a lot of goofy stuff that's happened, but even when you look at the Dolphins Bills game, I mean, Dolphins led by eight. Yep. It looked like they had stopped the Bills. Uh, they get that penalty on that play, which changes the outcome of that game. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you saw a lot of, you know, come from behind victories and just based on the, the crowd noise and kind of the oohs and ahs and our decisions that were dramatic swings, it was kind of crazy. But hey, uh, that's what makes it, you know, fun and interesting. And, you know, the, the Sin City miracle yesterday definitely gave a lot of Raider and, and Vegas fans an opportunity to get an early Christmas present. Uh, it was one of the loudest eruptions I've heard in the room in quite some time. Now, the Sin City miracle, Chuck, did you coin that? Did you hear that? Because I know that people that Josh B. Daniels and, and Derek Carr yesterday were saying, well, I, I'm sure they're going to have a name for it here pretty soon. Uh, that that's a pretty good. I, one. I did not. I did not coin it. I, I would love to say that I did, but um, I I heard it. You know, shortly thereafter, I think I added the the Christmas present. Uh, you know, touch to it, uh, but I did not coin the Sin City Miracle. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because that was it was crazy being in that building, Chuck. I want to know what it was like in the sports book yesterday at Red Rock when that was going on. Now, I mean, not only that final play. But the Keelan Cole catch, uh, you know, whether it was going to be a touchdown or not, I mean, we had that long, lengthy review. Uh, give us the atmosphere yesterday during the end of that Raider game. Well, T, I mean, we were clearly um, Patriot fans on our side of the counter as far as the book, booking side, not from the fan side. We always want to see the Raiders do well. But from the business side of it, we were clearly Patriot fans. So, I mean, we thought that, you know, um, they were out of bounds, that Cole was out of bounds on that play, just listening to what the announcers had to say, just kind of the, the, the eyeball test that he was out of bounds. Uh, they give him the touchdown, you know, uh, make a long story short, it ends up looking like the game's going to overtime. Stevenson has the long run. He picks it back a little bit, and we know the rest is history. I guess for, for me, it's, you know, was this discussed or coached on the sideline? Usually it, when a team does that, it's usually because they're behind and it's the last gasp resort um, because you're going to lose, not a game that's going to go into overtime. And, you know, I, I thought the Patriots had played, you know, probably had a little bit more momentum in the game itself the second half. Granted, you know, the cold touchdown got the Raiders back into it, but it's a Patriot team that has arguably the, the toughest schedule remaining in the league, and this is a game they had to win. 
um, and, and they let it get away. And, you know, their playoff hopes probably went, went bye-bye with, with that. And for the Raiders, they've had so many games that they've relinquished the double-digit lead. This could have been the fifth one. Uh, they've had, you know, close games that they've lost. They finally get one to go their way. Um, and maybe it helps them kind of play out the string with a, uh, with, with, with some tough, with some good wins and, and kind of build for next year. I guess mathematically, they're not still out of it yet. We've learned that, you know, goofy things happen in this league, but one of the most bizarre finishes for a team that didn't need to do that, I think was the strangest thing to me. And that's the thing, Chuck. It's like you said, it's something that was self-induced. It was 100% self-induced. You could say something about, you know, oh, ball took a crazy bounce or, you know, guy forgot what down it was. I mean, the thing that went through my mind, like, initially was, did Jacoby Myers think the score was 24 to 23? Did he think that they were behind? Because that's the only thing that could go on because nobody would do that. But it starts with Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, you're the running back. Okay, you call the play, and I think everybody expected, okay, it's going to be Hail Mary time, or it's going to be Neil Diamond, or, okay, just hand it off to, uh, up the middle, see maybe if he can break one, because remember, he did break a 34-yard run, you know, for that touchdown earlier for the Patriots. So you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe maybe that's it. But for him to go into, you know, that mode of of start pitching the ball around, okay, maybe he thought, okay, well, hey, I, I got a shot to break it here. Uh, maybe I'm for you know enough uh, downfield where it's not going to come back to, to haunt us. But then when you see what Jacoby Myers did when he started sprinting sideways and backwards, that's when it's like okay, this is b- beyond recognition here. And to try to pitch the ball or throw the ball, pass the ball to Matt Jones, and you know Matt Jones is going like, what me? Or are you kidding me? I mean, it just seemed so strange, and I'll say this, Myers owned it. Afterwards, he stand by his locker room, and he said, it's my mistake. Belichick basically said the kid made a mistake. So, yeah, I don't think it was any coaching, especially for a veteran staff like that. We know Matt Patricia is not an offensive guy, and there's been some problems there, but he's been around the league a long time. That that was not in the Patriots' playbook. I mean, it was just a mistake, but you just think that you know players would be a little bit smarter than this. Well, there was no way Stevenson was going to break that one, though, T. The reason being is that because I think, like you, you alluded to, that it was going to be a Hail Mary, uh, which we all thought it would be. Now, granted, Stevenson did break the initial push, picked up you know 20 or so yards on the play, but you know when you're expecting a Hail Mary, there's a lot of guys that are way deep. Yep. So, I mean, he saw everybody kind of converging on him. The play that he broke it on is much different. You don't have three, four, five guys that are back deep expecting a Hail Mary. So when he got to that point, even if it was impulse, I mean, he, he basically handed the ball off to Jacoby Myers. They were so close to one another. Yeah. Uh, but what Myers to do, though, I mean, to throw it that far back, I mean, you literally were, were taking all the yards that, um, that Stevenson had gained and, and, and throwing it back basically to behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, it really made no sense at all. Granted, he just made a mistake, forgot, uh, you know, but just bizarro uh, when the game's tied. I, I can't remember seeing ever. Uh, you know, teams kind of go to that type, uh, you know, looking for that miracle um, when the score is tied. When you're, when you're losing 
totally different. And we've seen bizarre endings yeah. like that happen. And we say it when, when we've got a dog that's covering yes. um, and it's within like a touchdown. The, we actually say that, you know, back here in the hub, we'll be talking about it. And, and Jay and I will look at each other and it'll be like, nothing crazy, nothing bizarre right. now. Yep. You know, let's just, let's just end it. Um, but in this particular case, hey, I will say to you, though, the crowd erupted back here in the hub area. I think it was a stunned silence for a good 30 to 60 seconds. <laughs> Until it actually set in what we just witnessed. Right. So really, you know, we, we're, we're 50 feet away from, you know, what's going on out in the book. And we're, we're not saying a word. And they're like erupting until we all kind of collectively said, what in God's name did we just see? <laughs> right, exactly. I, I was the exact same way. In the building, just going like, uh, my mouth's open like, uh, are, are you kidding me? What is this? And it was kind of like this delayed reaction from the fans and Allegiant as well, too. It was just eerie, strange, and I don't think anybody could believe you know, what, what they just saw. I mean, again, like you said, you know, like you'll go back to the Stanford and Cal game, the you know, the, 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 I the big It's band. funny you say that. I don't mean to interrupt, but I said that. When, when the play happened, the first thing out of my mouth was, oh, my God, the band is on the field. Right. The band is on the field. And uh, I, I just to kind of send the message that this is as bizarre as that. But here's the difference, though, Chuck, is that that was expected. You knew you were going to get that at, on that kickoff, like you said, you know, because Cal was behind. You're going to get that. Here it's like, what did he just do? And now he did it too. Oh my God. What? And there, there it goes. I mean, it was just like, but you're right. I've been, you know, as a guy who's had tickets on those the side, it's like, you know, I go, okay, here comes the kickoff. Here comes the ladder. It's, it's going to result in a, a, a touchdown for the other team. And I just like always am thinking one or two plays ahead because we've seen that nonsense happen. It's like the give up play. It's like, you know, this wasn't the give up play. This was like, okay, let's get ready for the coin flip. Unbelievable. Yeah, again, it's, you know, we all, again, I can't say it enough, team. We uh, say all the time, nothing goofy, nothing bizarre. Right, right. And, that, and that's exactly what we're alluding to is what occurred. Now, coincidentally enough, it comes on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if the gods are like every 50, you know, if we're all around 50 years from now, if that props on the board, will something goofy happen to end the game? I think you have to bet yes, because <laughs> it's uh, probably one of the goofiest things I've seen in a long time, if ever. No doubt. Well, Chuck, you have time, because the actual anniversary is Saturday of the Immaculate Reception, and the Raiders play the Steelers, and the NFL obviously knew what they were doing. So <laughs> the actual day of the actual anniversary, the Raiders or Steelers are playing again. Oh, by the way, guess where? In Pittsburgh. Not at Three River Stadium, and, but at Heinz Field. You know, right there, basically on the same lot. Unbelievable. And it's the night game, the isolated game on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So... I think enough said. You know, that's it. I, I, I think, I think Chuck and Jason, those guys, they're working on a, on a couple props. You know, right now for Saturday. There you go. <laughs> that's it's insane, unbelievable. Uh, just like the NFL knew what they were doing when they said, "Hey, Deshaun Watson's going to serve his eight game suspension. And he's going to open up against two. Oh yeah, his former team. <laughs> I mean, two. You know, come on. This, these things just don't happen, right, Chuck? Uh, I guess. T. I mean, it's just like when the season started. Who did Russell Wilson start against? 
in Seattle. There so, it is. I mean, it's, there you, you go. Know, stuff like that, you wonder. I mean, number one, Seattle had to even be on their schedule that year, you know, this year. But uh, but things happen like that, and, and you wonder, and you, you scratch your head, and I guess that's what makes it great overall. Um, but uh, uh, it was, I mean, there was, you know, you look at the way that um, Tampa relinquished the lead against Cincinnati, uh, what we saw with uh, the Colts and Vikings, as I alluded to, Dolphins and Bills, just to, to touch on a few. I mean, it was definitely comeback weekend um, in the NFL. 12 out of the 15 games were one-score games, Chuck. I can't remember anything like that. How about you? Uh, no, I mean, the dogs have been much more competitive this year, T. Um, I think overall, I don't have it in front of me, but I think when you look at uh, dogs against the number, uh, it's one of the best years we've seen probably in the last five years. Um, but uh, I, I didn't realize it was so overwhelming this past weekend. Yeah, 12 out of 15 games, one score games. And then, you know, you, you break it down, you talk about the underdogs. Underdogs covered 10 of the 15 games that we've seen so far. Uh, we got the Packers and the Rams tonight. Packers like a seven and a half point favorite. We'll get to that game in a minute. But Chuck, what we were hearing, even though that the dogs won 10 of the 15 games, 10 and five, it was a bad day for the books. And, and I know that's because we had, you know, some bad beats there, but that's usually not the cases we always talk about, right? Usually if the dogs are winning, it's a great day for the books, right? Yeah. It was, I'm not going to, I'm not going to categorize it as it was a bad day for the books. I, I just think, that, you know, that game took a lot of profit away. Um, you know, overall, when you look at the morning, getting the Bears to cover against the Eagles was really, really good. Getting the Jags to win the game outright against the Cowboys was really good. Um, having the Lions win against the Jets was good. Um, afternoon games were not. We clearly needed the Patriots, and we clearly needed the Bucks. Um, you know, in both cases, teams relinquished leads in those games. Um, and then getting the, uh, the Giants to win outright against the Commanders was really uh, the only outcome, the only scenario that was a, was a winning outcome on the Sunday night game was the Giants winning the game. So um, it wasn't a losing day. It's just that um, as bizarre as some of the games were, it uh, took us off what would have been maybe a phenomenal day. Um, but it was still overall a pretty good day, but just some some crazy things that happened across the board. Yeah, and every morning game was a one-score game, and we had you know the three overtime games as well uh, for the day, and two of those were, were the morning games. Uh, was was craziness just to see that it, every morning game was competitive, and we know Chuck, that's that's I don't, that's never the case. Um, say it, it's not, but this year it's happened a lot more often, you okay. know, and yeah. I think the next few weeks are going to be interesting because there are, there are the seven playoff spots in, in, in both conferences. And I think you're going to have more games that, that mean things. I mean, you look at the NFC South and, uh, every team is, I think a game behind Tampa. You look at Jacksonville that technically controls their own destiny against Tennessee. Um, you know, will San Francisco overtake Minnesota as the number two seed? And now the injury to Jalen Hurts kind of really kind of muddies the waters a little bit overall um, to see where they're at. I mean, they need one win um, to clinch that number one seed in the NFC. But, um, you know, Minshew, there's a reason they hung on to him. Um, they're still a really, really talented Eagles team. But, I mean, for me, hey, Hurts is the MVP of the league. And it's strange, though. If you remember the last time they were so dominant and looking good, they had a quarterback by the name of Carson Wentz who was the MVP favorite at that point when he got hurt. They went on to win the Super Bowl with a backup. Uh, now you've got kind of the injury to, 
to Jalen Hurts. You've heard conflicting stories about a broken collarbone, uh, you know, what it could be. But um, at this point, hopefully he comes back and it's healthy because he's definitely fun to watch. And the Eagles are kind of the – I mean, for me right now, they're, they're the best team in football. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts uh, got hurt yesterday in the third quarter with his, uh, his shoulder injury. They say that he is uh, questionable to doubtful to play Saturday. And that's a big game for them on Saturday – as you know, Chuck, against the Dallas Cowboys, the good news, they say, it's not long-term. So it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles play this. If they say, hey, we got bigger picture uh, you know, down the road here. We're, we're going to let him rest for maybe a week or two, which they do have the luxury to do that, even though it's a big game uh, for them this week, but it's probably bigger for the Cowboys. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think every game is big, T, but it's not that big of a game to them. Um, they have three games left. Uh, they, they play the Saints and the Giants um, after this week. Those are both really winnable games. And if need be, Hurts could come back into one of those games. That's providing the Cowboys don't stub their toe in one of their last two games. So although you'd like to wrap it up here, and technically Hurts could have three weeks off, I mean, if they were to happen to win here with Minshew, I mean, he really gets an extended rest. But the Eagles only have to win one more game uh, to clinch the best record in the NFC. I think it's kind of far-fetched to think that that's not going to happen, even if it's Minshew and, uh, and Hurts doesn't play during the regular season. Um, but I think it's a much bigger game to the Cowboys now, especially after not playing good two weeks ago against the Texans, a game they could have lost. Um, some questionable kind of offensive philosophy calls by the Texans late in that game, and then having the big lead against the Jags and losing that. So they clearly had this game circled. They were probably looking at it for the last couple of weeks. Um, but it takes definitely some of the some of the you know the, the luster away from it with only two afternoon games that you're not going to see Jalen Hurts against Dak Prescott and the Eagles against the Cowboys. It doesn't look like um, in one of the, in the only 125 game on Christmas Eve. Chuck Esposito joins us at Red Rock. Chuck, going back to the Saturday first game on the docket in Minnesota and Indianapolis, it was 17 nothing before you could blink. It was 33 to nothing. Talk a little bit about that comeback by the Vikings, the biggest in history. So we have the wildest finish with the Raider game on Sunday, uh, you know, in comparison to, you know, the immaculate reception like we talked about 50 years ago. How about this? The biggest comeback in NFL history with the Vikings. Talk about what that meant for the books. I know there was plenty of in-game wagering. And then I want to go back again. What was the atmosphere like for people watching this game in the book? Craziness. I mean, just very quiet early in the day. We clearly were Colt fans, you know, both the side, um, you know, money line, parlays. We needed the Colts. I mean, when they had that big lead at halftime and we, we were, you know, thinking, hey, we're finally getting a cigar game, as we like to refer to it, <laughs> right. where uh, you can put your feet up, you know, light a cigar, and like, this, one, this one's uh, going our way. Um, but, you, you know, I think we still had some, a little bit of kind of nervous energy thinking about the fact they settled for field goals. Taylor went out. They continued to run up the middle a lot of times early in the game. They weren't taking the shot clock down to, you know, one or two seconds. And I think all those things play in. I know Jeff Saturday's a new coach, but I, I didn't think they did a very good job of managing the clock in both the first and second half. I thought they, they settled for field goals early. I know when you've got a 17, 20 to nothing lead that, you know, hey, you just want to pad that lead. But I thought they, they could have kept their, their foot on the gas a little bit more and they didn't. That's one of the things that really impresses me with San Francisco 
and Philly is that you look at, at Brock Purdy as a young quarterback. When they have a lead, they are almost always running the clock down to you know one, two, or three seconds before they take the snap. The Eagles do the same thing a lot, and those are teams that run the ball well. If it's the Eagles with Hurts, or they're a three-headed monster, or if it's McCaffrey and you know and, and Purdy now. Um, I, I think that that's such an important part of what goes on that gets overlooked. I mean, we look at it from time to time, and we're paying attention to it on a weekly basis. Um, but, but I really think the Colts you know, kind of let the Vikings back into it by mismanaging the clock and settling for field goals when they were up by multiple scores. That's just my opinion, and other people that watch may, may think differently. Um, but, but I clearly thought that they did not do a good job of managing the clock especially in the second half of that game. No doubt. Tonight we got Packers and the Rams, Baker Mayfield. Last time we saw him, that miraculous uh, you know, comeback against uh, the Raiders. Uh, had a lot of time to work with his team here, but now they're going on the road against the Packers. 17 degrees tonight in Lambeau Field. Uh, Chuck, uh, how do you see this game? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in Lambeau, but... Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think this, you know, Baker now has back to back games on prime time, has a little bit more time with, with the first team. Um, it's not a good Ram team. They haven't played well this year. Um, they're, they're playing against the Packer team that you can make a case is one of the bigger disappointments. Um, I haven't looked at the schedule for the last couple of weeks, so I don't know if this is, could it be Rogers' last prime time game? Um, in Lambeau as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers either retires or moves on from the Packers. I mean, with them, it's the greatest soap opera every offseason because he never see, he can never decide what he wants to do. Um, we're Ram fans. I mean, there's definitely some carryover um, liability going to the Packers tonight. I mean, best case for us it is clearly the Rams kind of winning outright and able to come up with a, a big, you know, a big W here. Anxious to see how Baker Mayfield kind of plays in this game um, tonight. Um, but, hey, it, it's Rodgers. He's always kind of must-see TV. And uh, with the way that the scores have gone on Saturday and Sunday, nothing's going to surprise me tonight, T. Nothing. Were you Argentina or, or France fans on uh, on uh, Sunday morning? You know, overall, the tournament was phenomenal. The crowd, the atmosphere, the hype, the noises in the book, people camping out early. It looked like Super Bowl Sunday here at Red Rock. <laughs> awesome. uh, our best-case scenario really was France. Uh, but it was a phenomenal game, it, just a phenomenal game. And, you know, up 2-0 and then tied 3-3, man, just the, 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 the differences in the crowd out there were fun. I spent a lot of time in the room just kind of watching, and it was really fun um, overall the World Cup this year. Well, great weekend, sports weekend, whether it was soccer, football, basketball, college or the NFL, fantastic, just fantastic. Chuck Esposito, our guy over at Red Rock, get over to any of the Station Casino properties, uh, great viewing uh, options there. Use the kiosk and, of course, the STN mobile app, so easy to use. Uh, deposit and play. And, again, bet where you watch the games. And, speaking of which, no better place to watch the games than a Red Rock or any of the Station Casino properties. Chuck, appreciate you, my man, big time. And uh, have yourself a great week. Have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we got plenty of sports this weekend to go. we got Christmas Eve football, Christmas Day football. you got to love it, man. we just got to love it. Sports and, and the holidays, nothing better, brother. And a lot of food. No, nothing better, T. I mean, to you and Numchuck and, you know, the, the crew and all the listeners, you know, uh, happy holidays, have a safe and, and happy holiday season. I think it's happy birthday to you as well. Mm -hmm. So enjoy being on with you. It's always fun to kind of – 
uh, kick off the week and, and, and talk a little bit. And I uh, look forward to seeing you soon again, buddy. But uh, happy holidays. Be safe. Have some fun. And uh, who knows what tonight will bring. You got that right. I appreciate you, Chuck. Thank you very much, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks, buddy. That's it. Chuck Esposito, our regular here on uh, Mondays. That's right. We're going to get some great food tonight out at Red Rock. All right. I want to thank Chuck for joining us, Matt Holt, Kevin E. Martin from News 8. Tomorrow, Big Link's going to join us, who is on the call. Link and Kennedy, the former Raider, going to talk about the bizarreness, the craziness. Uh, great stuff. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Go check out our recap on the homepage of the Raiders' wild, crazy, bizarre victory over the Patriots yesterday. All right. For Nubchuck, TC sends so long. Back at it again tomorrow. Terrible Tuesday. Take some thoughts. Talk maybe a little bit more World Cup. Football galore. Holiday week. Kicking it off for you just like this. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.